Welcome to episode 174 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the return of Super League, the NRL COVID breakers, the Warriors look to the future, Sunny Bill news, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 174 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Well, Dr. T, I've got to say I'm very frantic and very anxious. I'm trying to sell off all my shares. I'm trying to liquidate all my assets. Uh, I just need to do a runner because I've heard... The COVID bubble has burst. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! The COVID uh, the COVID bubble is uh, well. We we certainly have had a bit of a bubble, haven't we, in the NRL? So yeah, that's something's, right. Uh, something's burst, has it? Yes, yes. Look, uh, but look, you know, uh, all joking aside, look, I'm do- I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's uh, you know, it's you know what March, April, May, June, July. Uh, well, you know, we've had a few months of COVID here. But you know things uh, things are sort of a bit stagnant. I'm going to say in Australia, it seems to be the figures seem to be a bit consistent. But I've got to say the footy has been fantastic. Uh, the NRL still serving up lots of news, lots of drama, lots happening this week. It's a bit of a crazy week for the NRL. But yeah, I've I've been enjoying it. How about yourself, there, Doctor T? Uh, look, absolutely, and uh, it's been look. I've got to say, you know, when in in the real world we definitely have had a uh, uh, you know bit of a wake up call across the world a, a lot of things are, are completely different and i think i think uh, you know in the rugby league world there's there's a few things that have uh, you know th- we've taken the opportunity as a as a sport to you know yeah. freshen things up a bit and do some things a little differently which i think is a good thing and i think of of all the sports you know the professional sports around the world that have taken advantage, full advantage of uh, of the situation. I think you can't fault rugby league. I think we've done, you know, especially the NRL has done a great job, been on the yep. front foot. Um, you know, you've got, you know, in, in America, you've well look, look at the situation here. At least in the NRL, we're seeing, uh, you know, the the numbers uh, of viewers up. Uh, compared to what we we thought it would be, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of interest still in the game. There's a lot of interesting things that have been happening. There's a lot of changes that are taking place. The, you know, not just the not just in terms of changes in employment and and all those sort of issues, which which you know most of uh, unfortunately a lot of businesses have had to suffer uh, through this crisis. But the NRL has actually taken advantage of. Um, you know, done the business uh, that it needs to do, get get the deals, the wheeling and dealing sorted out to make sure that they've got a financial future, uh, which they've done. They've then 
capitalize on that and said, let's turn the attention on the game itself, make it more interesting. You know, they didn't need to do that, but they did. They thought, let's let's look at that. They've done that. And it's actually led to a much improved, I would say, spectacle. I mean, I can't, I can't look, I know there's been some dreary kind of games, but I think, mm. you know, pound for pound, uh, this post-COVID season's games, uh, you know, you can you can be fairly certain that you're going to watch an entertaining game and some spectacular football in almost every single game that you watch. Um, and I don't think you could say that in many previous seasons. Now, I, know I might be a bit biased, Tish, but I, yep. I just think that uh, some of those very slight tweaks to the rules have yes. made a world of difference. And then, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and then you compare it to, look, other sports that are making a comeback at the moment, like, you know, NBA um, have, has just restarted, uh, I think Major League Baseball potentially as well. Um, but definitely the NBA has restarted and they their numbers are down. Uh, they have, you know, people are not into it. Uh, now, I know there's another other kind of things happening in America, obviously, but in the USA, but I think uh, the NRL is to be applauded and rugby league in general. I think we've, we've really uh, kind of been on the front foot about, you know, creating that COVID bubble and that kind of thing uh, to allow the players to safely play and manage the potential of a virus spread amongst this, uh, you know, contact sport. And, and look, we're going to talk about that because that is actually some uh, one of the yeah. key tackles that we're going to talk about today is the fact that uh, not all is perfect in uh, NRL land, but mm. um, and and so that it's it's a bit of a wake up call what's happened this week, and uh, definitely one of the most important sort of tackles that we're we're going to talk about this year because it's critical to the success of the NRL and. So, yeah, Absolutely. but look, that's a bit of a rant to say, look, I've been enjoying my footy and I'm glad that <laughs> – I'm glad – look, re- regardless of uh, how how frustrating the eels are to watch, um, the game itself is uh, looking pretty healthy. So I'm mm. really pleased to see that there's, um, you know, uh, some, some interesting games being played, some drama happening here and there off the field as well, which is uh, always interesting, but – but yeah, um, you, the footy you're enjoying it, surely. Oh, absolutely! Look, I think um, I think we'll highlight this as we go through our round wrap up. Some of the games and the rule changes, I think, has made for very exciting football. And uh, you know, this week we also had uh, junior football sort of starting back up again. So, look, rugby league isn't perfect. Uh, you know, the rules aren't perfect. You know, we, we have all these sort of situations. But overall, it's uh, I think it's proved to be a very versatile sport and a sport that can adapt to change quite well. And, you know, interestingly, like we've got sort of, you know, a percentage of the crowd back now, but that still has not taken away from the spectacle that is the uh, that is the sport. It is a highly entertaining sport. And uh, <coughs> even when they didn't have crowds and they had the corny piped-in uh, crowds, it's been a bit... Um, you know, that was kind of a little funny, but the game was still very watchable. And I think uh, and I think that uh, I think everybody that's uh, been involved has to be commended. Uh, we do have some problems at the moment. We will discuss those. But I think overall, uh, I think it's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, can you believe that we're not that far away from the final series? Absolutely. And, yeah, you mentioned the crowd. I think, you know, obviously I'm not mentioning the crowd because it's a nominal thing at this point that they're letting mm. in as many people as they can legally 
be allowed to okay. let in, which is fair enough. Uh, the crowd obviously make make some noise. It's enough people to make some noise and bring some atmosphere. Better than that canned uh, laughter thing that they would put in, or you know, like like those old sitcoms. Um, but look, I am disappointed though that uh, they're not doing those uh, you know poster uh, cardboard cutout things anymore because. I I am I must say look I, this week on a negative note I was rejected my uh, entry to uh, uh, my cardboard cutout entry you know they do go through a, a process of vetting all the images to make sure that they're not offensive and mm. look uh, I thought I'd sneak one in there Tish but it was rejected uh, I suppose I shouldn't have put in Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's I thought that. <laughs> I thought I thought it would it would bring life to uh, some of the, ironically to some of the uh, the games uh, involving the eels, but unfortunately it wasn't. Uh, it look that wasn't the inspiration that they were looking for, <laughs> so that was mm. rejected. But anyway, moving along, let's move on to our six tackles where we'll jump into all these very interesting and thorny issues. So here we go, our six tackles, and our first tackle is the round thirteen wrap. Here we go. All right, so tackle number one, and we're going to talk about the Roosters and the Dragons was the first match of round 13. One 24-16 by the Roosters, five tries to three. Uh, I unfortunately miss most of this match, so I can't really say much about it. But I can say that this is another example of where, um, you know, the Roosters are just kind of cruising in, shall we say, second gear. Um, did enough to win and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, did it comfortably. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think the Roosters really showed their class. Um, the The reality is they had quite a number of injuries. I think uh, Cordner was out, um, you know, and I think the Morris Twins were out. I think they had uh, a number of other forwards that were out. You know, Warrior Hargraves did not play. So they had quite a lot of people out, but it's interesting, you know, once you've got a a winning formula and a winning team, even the young players that uh, sort of uh, make their debut uh, all did really well. Um, you know, Flanagan's, uh, you know, Kyle Flanagan was out and then they had um, Lachlan Lamb, I think, starting his very very first game. And um, he showed uh, that he's like, uh, you know, he's he's actually ready for the NRL. Uh, that's how he played absolutely uh, phenomenal. And, and he's their backup uh, halfback. So uh, really a production line of the Roosters. So, yeah, the machine, the juggernaut, it is working. The sombrero, the celery coat sombrero, um, you know, uh, what's, uh, you know, with that had a, another 300 gamer, you know, who played all of his games at, uh, for the Roosters, just forgot his uh, no, name. Mitch Orbison, uh, Mitch Orbison. Mitch Orbison, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. We've got Jake Friend playing 300 games in a, in a short while too. So, uh, you know, able to sign players for long-term contracts, um, two 300 gamers in the one roster, and none of them, uh, none of them roosters juniors. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, none of them roosters, yeah, roosters as juniors. As we know, well, I mean, maybe, uh, is Mitch Orbison? I don't know where he's, he's from, yeah. Plus, you have arguably probably one of the game's best halfbacks, you probably have the game's best fullback and the game's best player, you have the origin and Australian captain in your team, and there is uh, no issues with your salary cap whatsoever. <laughs> Plus you got the All Star Morris. Tweet. I'm just whoa, and now you've got Sonny Bill. So anyway, I don't know how the Roosters do it, but they do it. Meanwhile, uh, the Dragons. Well, um, they showed a bit of fight. They they were in this game for the most part, but I've got to say their attack. Uh, uh, 
it was like so predictable. Uh, it was basically okay. We're going to pass the ball to the left. Now we're going to pass the ball to the right. Now we're going to pass the ball to the left. And now we're going to kick. And we're now going to pass the ball to the left. And it just, it was. Uh, I, I didn't know. It was, uh, I think it was called the. I don't know the pendulum attack, but it it didn't work. <laughs> and uh, I think they need to fix up their attack. It was just. It was just woeful in the end but uh, anyway that's uh but look well done to the roosters and i think the dragons i think that's basically their season now i think they're done all right um next game was the warriors against the sea eagles and the warriors won this one 26 to 22 mm. in uh slippery conditions uh at brookvale oval uh which yeah. uh or lotto land or whatever they call it so five tries to four deserving winners and uh todd payton doing a good job there at the warriors while he bides his time uh, waiting for that call up for the the Cowboys, <laughs> uh, has he, he hasn't received the call yet? Has he still waiting? No, I, I believe he's still waiting. He's still waiting, um, but I'm... he's very uh, look. He's probably going to get it. Let's be fair. I mean, it's very likely he'll get it. Uh, but you know, stranger things have happened. But anyway, oh, the, yeah, Warriors doing good, yeah. doing good there. Um, you know, uh, five, like I said, five tries to four. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, you know, the the Warriors sort of raced out to a pretty big lead by the time they hit halftime and just over halftime. And it mm. was really two late tries to Manly that kind of clawed their way back. But, <coughs> excuse me, the Warriors really looking like the goods, um, yeah. you know, but against a team that's been inconsistent, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, to give you an idea, the, the Warriors are now on back-to-back. I think it's the first time this season that they've done that. I think it's the first time since early last year that they've done that too. So this actually gives them uh, five wins, and uh, they need another five for the remaining seven games. So they actually now have a chance, after the season they've had, they've got a slight chance of actually making it to the finals, which would be absolutely uh, a phenomenal effort from the Warriors. So I think... Um, now, everybody has sort of been involved in the club. You know, obviously, they've been affected most by COVID with the whole situation of, um, you know, families and partners not being able to come back, losing players, having players on loan. And uh, here they are showing all the fight in the world and uh, give you know, give themselves a chance for the finals. Meanwhile, Manly, well, you talked about the wet there. Well, you know, they got really uh, – they suffered a lot because they're slipping down the ladder the more and more they go. They're now outside the top eight. Um, and, you know, while the Warriors firm up with their slight chances of making up, I think, uh, I think Manly, are, you know, sort of this form has really put them down and uh, they're a good chance of not making the eight this year. All right. Uh, the Rabbitohs, on the other hand, are, are taking the spot of Manly in the top eight and yeah. uh, cementing their place there with a 28-10 victory over the Broncos. Four tries to two, all the tries converted, but oddly enough, two penalty goals as well, which blew out the score a little bit. So, um, look, they did what they needed to do. Again, they were pretty consistent across the board. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, look, very, very interesting game. Obviously, just before this game, um, you know, the uh, the Rabbit has lost their coach uh, due to a COVID breach. So I think it was Andrew Demetrio's first, uh, first job as, uh, you know, first game as a as a uh, you know, as a NRL head coach, and he did well, uh, you know, leading this side on that day for a twenty-eight ten victory. Um, you know, the grudge match um, <laughs> that was supposed to be kind of end up not being. And look, I think the South Sydney were very um, 
I don't want to say the professional because there were times where they were very sloppy in the game. But I think overall they did they did what they needed to do to win the game. Um, it's kind of it's kind of funny like with South. I don't I believe they're a much better team than what they show most weeks, and I think this is another case of that. Um, it really looks like they're playing second gear at the moment, and uh, as we draw closer to the finals, I wonder if they're going to find that form that everybody sees what they have. If you look at their back line, I mean, that one one side of the field has got Dane Gagai, has got uh, Latrell Mitchell, has got um, Cody Walker, uh, and has got Alex Johnston. That's That's... That's a great that's a great backline on one end and Campbell Graham on the other end. I mean their backline is absolutely superb and they've got some really good forwards as well. So uh, look, I think they're going to be a threat uh, as the finals go along. But uh, yeah, just they just seem to not find the gear all the time. Meanwhile, the Broncos uh, they they're better with Boyd in the back, but uh, you know still you know they're kind of showing to be the worst team in in uh, Queensland at the moment. Uh, but not the worst in the league, because that <laughs> that goes to the Bulldogs. Oh uh, yes, who were defeated forty-one to ten by the Storm in their home away from home at Sunshine Coast, and yeah. uh, seven tries to two. Uh, again, you know what can you say? Uh, they it's a typical thing with the Storm. Actually, it's a pattern that probably we should uh, look out for. But you know, next time you watch a Storm smashing of another team. There's a usual pattern there, which is they start off pretty good with a few mm. quick tries. They almost always are front runners. Then they kind of they kind of pull back a little bit, and and around the halftime mark, you know the latter the latter end of the first half, the beginning of the second half, you know the other team kind of gets maybe one or two tries, and they probably think, oh, I'm I'm in it in it with a chance, and then they just blow them away <laughs> towards the tail end of the game because they've just got superior fitness and game management and all sorts of things. So, um, and, and, you know, just being well-practiced and, and clinical as ever. And then they end up, you know, so the, there's a pattern there that I think is quite mm. interesting. And I think um, the teams that usually do well against the Storm end up, you know, being the ones that are on the front foot from the very beginning and almost surprise them and ambush them. But this was not the case today or that day <laughs> with the, against the Bulldogs at all. Um, not much more to say. Uh, Tish, do you have any highlights of this game? Well, I think there are plenty of highlights when you go watch the highlight reel because, uh, you know, they seven tries to two. Um, a typical sort of performance by Melbourne. You are right. I think I think the formula that you're probably looking towards is that if you want to beat the Storm, you've got to be the first to score and you've got to be the last to score. Um because and they will leak points in the middle. So so, but if you could get your, because I think they get nervous when they're sort of behind, and I think that's the the key. Um, a bit like the Roosters as well, a little bit. I feel like if you if you want to beat the Roosters, you got to be you got to be in front of them with five minutes left. Um, otherwise, they don't get nervous, you know. And then uh, and I think the Storms, yeah, got got a bit of a formula that way. But um, yeah, look, uh, yeah, look, a very clinical performance once again, and. Uh, you know they're loving it up at the Sunshine Coast. I think this is their uh, they're undefeated at the Sunshine Coast Stadium. So uh, well done to the Storm. All right, and unfortunately, this is bad news for you. But the Newcastle Knights flogged the West Tigers at home at forty. Or they were the Knights were at home at forty-four to four. It was fours all round, but it was actually eight tries to one. 
And uh, yeah, look, apologies for for bringing this up. Uh, the the Tigers really showed nothing, did they? Yes. Well, Doctor T, we we are gathered as a rugby league republic community to honour and pay tribute to the respect of the West Tigers because it all died on uh, against Newcastle. Uh, I mean. 44 to 4. This is basically their season. I mean, they have a horror run uh, towards the end. Uh, this is a top six side. They have to, if they're going to play finals footy, if they don't want to finish up ninth, um, then they have to win these type of games. On top of all of that, well, the good news for Tigers fans is that they won't finish ninth this year. They will probably run 10th <laughs> or 11th. Um, but yeah, look, a, a really horrible performance. On the other side of things, uh, Blake Green for Newcastle was uh, absolutely phenomenal. So was Mitchell Pearce. And I believe, and look, so was um, Kalen Ponga. Uh, Kurt Mann was actually fantastic so uh, at number nine too. So I think suddenly with Blake Green into the squad, uh, they, they've, um, I think they've got a really good looking spine when it comes to their attack. And they've got some muscle up front with the um, Saifidi brothers. And um, you know, and a few other players at, at their forwards, and they've got a really good backline as well. So, I think Newcastle, just with that one acquisition halfway through the season, have uh, I think they've really uh, changed their squad around. So it'll be interesting to see how well they do later on. And uh, forty-four to four, I mean, very impressive uh, victory there. I mean, this is the first time I think the Tigers have lost by more than twenty points. So it's a phenomenal effort. So uh, well done to. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, well done to the Knights. Yeah, I think the Tigers got a lot of soul searching to do, um, like a few other teams. So they're already there's already talks about uh, you know possibly some players being offloaded, uh, mm. you know, to make way for I don't know uh, someone, someone <laughs> but, else. Yeah, so a lot of soul searching in someone else to help them finish ninth. That's, that's right. Um, <laughs> Look, the Panthers against the Raiders. Uh, the Panthers winning this one, twenty-eight to twelve, after mm. racing to a twenty-four to nil uh, half-time score. Unbelievably, yeah. so the only all their tries were scored. It's four tries to two. All their tries were scored in the first half, and the only other points in the second half were to penalty goals. And of course, I guess you could say two consolation tries uh, to uh, uh, CNK Nickel Clodstad. Clock, yes. what's his name? Clock kicks. What's his name? Clock, 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 yeah, yeah. Nickel Clockstad. Um, two tries, good tries, but it wasn't to be, uh, you know, to make the score respectable. But really, you know, how do you come back from 24 0 at half time? I could imagine that, um, you know, Ricky Stewart would have been ripping into the sheds at half time, but, uh, you know, it only got them 12 points in the end in the second half. So, Unfortunate, but look, the Panthers are really setting the pace at the front of the field there. Uh, you know, who knows uh, if they're going to be there at the end, but look, the signs are looking good for Panthers fans. Yeah, well, I did uh, see this game. It was a very entertaining game. I don't know if you can find stats about the first half, but this is what I've got to say about the first half. The first five minutes, the Raiders had all the ball. Um to the point, you know, the first set, they got a 40-20 off the first set. Then they went back-to-back with, you know, maybe three or four sets, and they just couldn't get uh, – they couldn't score against the Raiders, right? 
uh, couldn't score against the Panthers. Now, the Raiders' first half, I think that was the best the Raiders have ever played the whole first half. And I'm being serious here. They were pretty phenomenal. But yet at halftime, they were losing uh, like 24 nil or something like that. Something ridiculous. And I couldn't believe how good Canberra were playing and reverse how great Panthers were just absolutely destroying them. The Panthers are, I, I don't know, I, after watching this game, I really feel that the Panthers, it's their season. Um, it's theirs to lose because they were just so much better than the Raiders who were playing their best footy. It was absolutely unbelievable. The second half, and I think this is, maybe they, maybe both teams just left it all out in the first 40 because in the second half, the Raiders did come back, um, and yeah, uh, I think the uh, you know the maybe the Panthers got a bit uh, you know too um, predictable, or maybe just you know just just took it took took their foot off the pedal on, in in the uh, first half. Uh, second half, you know, Ivan Cleary was in a bit of a trouble about uh, basically what he insinuated about the refereeing effort in the second half favoring Canberra. Uh, but look. Um, but that, but that aside, uh, I've got to say, Panthers. They, yeah, I think after watching this performance, I've got them as as my um, premiers for twenty twenty twenty. Wow, big call there. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Titans versus Cowboys, and, yep. and I think the Titans uh, established that they, are, you know, in a topsy turvy season, they are head yep. and shoulders above the other Queensland teams. Which yes. is uh, not saying much because they they're kind of fighting down the bottom of the ladder, but they ended up winning this one thirty to ten against the Cowboys, six tries to two, so a very clear, decisive victory. Uh, and oddly enough, another one where the winner ended up racing out to a massive lead. They ended up racing out to a five try to nil lead. Uh, you know, at halftime it was it would have been what sixteen nil, I think. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, how do you come back from that? Well, you can't. <laughs> so, especially when you're not not doing anything to show that you're, um, you know, inventive with the ball yeah. or, or or discipline in defence, which the Cowboys certainly have not been this year. So, again, uh, not a terrible story for the Titans, but uh, you know, downhill for the Cowboys, a lot lower than I would have expected, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, did you catch this game at all? And do you have any quick comments on it? Oh, look, I, I did catch this game. And uh, uh, I've got to say the Titans, their attack was awesome. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of weird that they were finishing so far down the ladder, but I think they're improving. Um, AJ Brinson uh, was was fantastic. And uh, yeah, the Cowboys not showing that well. Uh, it's interesting in commentary, they call this a Queensland local derby. Um, I looked it up. And uh, there's 1,400 kilometres between Townsville and the Gold Coast. <laughs> and there is 1,100 kilometres between the Titans and Canberra. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so if, uh, yeah, if this is a local derby, well, so is Canberra versus the Titans, which, uh, you know, you just bypass Sydney. So it was kind of, wow. kind of interesting, just the geography in that. So, but, uh, yeah. Look, uh, yeah, bad season for the Cowboys. Uh, but, yeah, the Titans, I think they're showing some promise for next year. Well, I think by that logic, Sydney and Melbourne are local local derby <laughs> as well. So <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> but, look, you know, uh, nothing more that we would expect from Queenslanders, of course. But there you go. Um, there you go. All right. The final game uh, that we're going to talk about is the Eels and the Sharks. Eels win this one 14-12, uh, although 
behind in tries. Sharks scoring three tries to two. Obviously, the Eels converted all their tries, plus got a penalty goal. That's where they got their 14 points. A lot of people questioning uh, that and saying, look, they didn't deserve to win because they scored fewer tries. But at the end of the day, they won ugly, but they still won. And, And I think... To me, that is, uh, if I'm to take anything at all away from this game, it was uh, a dreary game. It was a difficult game. It was absolutely, it was like, it was literally like wet weather football, which is ironic because uh, the two uh, the two mascots are sharks and eels. So it was uh, fitting <laughs> that we have a an aquatic themed um, kind of uh, performance there. But look, uh the thing I'm taking away from this as an Eels fan is is the fact that they're uh, you know they're they're absolutely able and capable to do whatever it takes to win, even if they're not yeah. playing 100. percent And that is miles ahead of where they've been in the last few decades. So I think as an Eels fan, uh, despite what you may have heard Tish say earlier about the Panthers being shoo-ins for the premiership, I think. The Eels can take some heart that when the chi- when the cards fall right, um, if they do, uh, towards the tail end of the season in the in the final series, uh, they're in with a chance, uh, even up against the mighty Panthers and the mighty Storm. Let's not forget that uh, despite what's been happening uh, lately, where they've had a few near misses, they are still neck and neck with uh, the Storm on the ladder and only one point behind, uh, um, you know, there are 22 points, so equal to the Storm, although obviously with a, a little bit fewer uh, points in the for and against, but uh, and only really one point behind the Panthers, Panthers. Uh, on, who yeah. are on 23. But the really interesting thing is that the top three teams, uh, there's a gap of four points between the Eels and the Roosters in fourth place. So there's a fight for fourth, uh, and there's a little bit of a fight for first. And so uh, let's yeah. see what happens. And look, it, at any given point uh, in the next eight remaining rounds, if the Panthers falter, you know, you've got either the Storm or the Eels who will take that crown of minor premiers. Yeah. So that's what I'm taking away from that performance in wet weather football, as difficult as it was, obviously would have expected more more of a, a an easy time and obviously the eels are good at uh, giving their fans heart attacks but look when have they never done that <laughs> you know like that's a typical eels eels day out um you know a lot of people online are sort of uh, complaining about about it but really i've been following the eels for as long as i can remember and uh, they've always done that so um, it just so happens that now they're towards the top of the ladder rather than towards the bottom. So that's a difference. So, Tish, what were your thoughts about this game? Well, I think uh, what I can say is that, uh, look, I did I did call out the Panthers uh, a lot uh, in terms of premiership winners, but I do have to say um, the Eels are the Jeep Cherokee of the NRL. They can win in all conditions. And um, this is definitely uh, the case for them. I mean, it was in the rain. It was, I mean, like it was, at sometimes I thought I was watching water polo. Um, you know, that's how wet the ground was. And, uh, you know, it was actually a, a really entertaining game. Um, both teams sort of threw the ball around, which is kind of interesting. And a few errors. And uh, even the Eels won one scrum against the feed, uh, <laughs> which is always phenomenal to sort of see that um, as well. And, yeah, you're right. Look, they're able to win. 
I think it's like this. They have this. They have a really good mentality. Um, uh, the Eels this year, you know, they they sort of um, they don't really care how well they're playing. Uh, I've got to say, they will just make sure that they're winning. That that's all they care about is actually just winning. And and you can see that with the way they play. They sort of, it's all like they do. Like they just sort of know how to win. I think that's kind of the what I'm trying to say there. And um, it's interesting, you know, the one game that Panthers have lost this year, it is to the Eels. And if you go, if you remember that game, uh, the Panthers they looked on top for pretty much the whole game, but it was just those three minutes that they gave the Eels an opportunity, and the Eels took full advantage of that. And I think that's what that is also another good sign of a champion team. So look, I'm predicting an Eels Panthers grand final. I think that would be the best. I think they're clearly the two best teams out there. Obviously, the Storm and the Roosters are always uh, always there and thereabouts, but I think this year Western Sydney is going to reign supreme, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I think that's that's the way it is. But we still have a long way to go. We still got six rounds left, I think, or seven, something like that. We still have the final series left, so a lot could happen between this time and whenever the grand final is. Uh, but let's, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting season this year, definitely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to uh, probably the most important thing we're going to talk about today, which is the <coughs> excuse me, the NRL COVID breakers. Here we go, tackle number two. All right, so the NRL and Peter Volandis, PVL as we call him, issue a final warning to players that are breaking coronavirus bubble laws with the competition at stake. Uh, Tish, take us through what's been happening with the NRL COVID breakers, as we're going to call them. Okay, so look, over the last week, there have been a few players and officials that have breached the COVID bubble rules the NRL has set in place uh, to get the special exemption that they need to continue on with the season. And Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaget herself, you know, Queen Anastasia, she has issued a warning to the NRL after recent spate of COVID-19 breaches that threatened to put the season at risk. Um, you know, uh, after the big victory that Newcastle had, they had a young winger in uh, Stafford Toho, uh, who, after Saturday's win, as well as Sima Siage, um, they were they had also breached the protocol. But they joined, uh, you know, they joined basically Dragons prop Paul Vaughan, uh, you know, who who was caught on Thursday, plus Tavita Pangai Jr., who. Uh, basically attended an opening of a barbershop, uh, as well as club legend Alan Langer, uh, you know, the, the water boy extraordinaire, uh, halfback, whatever, he's, he's breached it. But I think the most concerning one is South coach Wayne Bennett. Uh, they've all been found uh, to have breached the, the, uh, the rules. And the thing is, it's not like they've done these things lightly. Uh, I know they're sort of saying that they didn't know the rules, but ultimately these are deliberate acts. This is not like the Aiden Tolman incident last year where it was kind of like it wasn't really him. It was more the people that he was with. Um, same thing with some players that were caught up with the whole situation with uh, the Crossroads Hotel. Um, you know, they weren't the ones that actually went, but they knew people that did go, which is why they had to be quarantined. These are, these, these are actual players and officials that did break the protocols. Um, so, uh, look, um, so the League Central has uh, given Bennett a fine of $20,000, Vaughan $10,000, uh, as well as the Broncos staff has got $5,000 each. Um, 
And uh, Tavid Paniagini, I don't know if he's actually been hit with this yet, but I believe the fine is going to be around about 20000 when he gets fined. Uh, I believe there are some suspicions coming down, some really tough, uh, uh, you know, sort of things. But, yeah, look, we can't have this because obviously the season needs to continue. I think the Wayne Bennett thing is kind of really outrageous for me because um, he's actually part of uh, Apollo, the Project 13, Apollo 13, um, you know, who actually creates the rules. Uh, and he actually came out and said that he didn't know the rules, which is kind of laughable because he's part of that committee that create the rules. Um, so I don't think ignorance is an excuse in this situation. And you now I think these, uh, I think all these players and officials, if you're caught deliberately, I think a suspension till the end of the season is actually what, uh, what might need to happen to try and ensure that this doesn't happen. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dr. T? Yeah, look, uh, you're right on a couple of things, but I'd just like to just point out a bit of a, uh, a theory I've got about, yeah, uh, you know, ironically, it's the Queensland Premier that has uh, come out and uh, sort of pointed the fingers at the NRL and said, look, get your house in order because uh, we've got some problems here. But if you look at if you look at the the names uh, and and the you know if you look at the pattern here of uh, the COVID breakers, we've got Wayne Bennett, we've got the Broncos, we've got Alan Langer, we've got Paul Vaughan. Now, now, admittedly, it's not Paul Fatty Vaughan, but let's. <laughs> it's all Queensland connection, Tish, is what I'm trying gotcha. to say. Mm. So here's a Queensland Premier pointing the finger when it's all the Queenslanders. Paul yeah. Vaughan, Paul Vaughan accepted, of course, um, who are who are causing these problems. Uh, look, I'm joking, obviously, but I think it is a pattern nonetheless. But you're right. You're talking about, you know, uh, the Wayne Bennett thing is something that has actually uh, come up quite a little bit in the media as well that, you know, of all the people who should have really been following the rules, it should be someone who's on Project Apollo who actually does understand why they put these measures in place, who does understand and who's a, who's a uh, uh, you know, who's made a name for himself for being a leader of men and a role model. And, and yet he's the one that, you know, obviously something else is going on here, uh, you know, maybe he's just uh, getting a bit on in age and, and it's kind of... But it is disappointing. And I kind of think initially when I saw the the, uh, the article talking about Peter Volandis being uh, quite strongly against Wayne Bennett as opposed to some of the others, I, I kind of tend to agree with that, that sort of uh, summary of, uh, you know, I, I don't think it is inconsistent to be a bit harsher towards Wayne Bennett here because this is someone who, uh, you know, is a mentor to a lot of players, uh, definitely to a lot of the the former Brisbane players, Al Langer as well being one of them. So it's kind of ironic that they've got this relaxed attitude about this. It could be, it could be because of the fact that the Queenslanders have, uh, you know, avoided some of the the things that are happening at the moment in Victoria and New South Wales. Maybe it's not front of mind because they've got a bit of a she'll be right attitude. Potentially that could be the case. Mm. Maybe it is a mentality thing, but it is disappointing nonetheless uh, that this has happened. And, and I think he is right as well to say that, look, 
the competition is at stake. If they don't do this right and, and there's even one person infected, whole clubs will have to be go straight away into isolation. Uh, yeah, and, and you will have a completely disrupted, um, you know, season pretty much. And not just isolation for one week. There's, it's mandatory 14 days if, if, you know, and that's, you know, you've got to get tested as well. And even then, um, you know, you're never certain that you've passed something on. So it's potentially all this good work that's been done to bring the NRL back to the, the forefront of, uh, you know, uh, professional sports here in Australia. Yeah. And after I talked about it glowingly earlier about what a, a trailblazer it has been in compar- comparison to other uh, professional sports, this could just totally bring it all undone within a matter of days. Once one person gets tested positive, you will unfortunately see lots of Games been shut down, uh, whole rounds potentially. It would just throw everything off, and all of a sudden we could lose. So you know these seemingly innocuous acts of uh, um, <clears throat> you know not really transgressions compared to the rest of the community, which is what the argument is that they thought, oh, you know, we're doing nothing wrong if the person next to me is not doing the same thing. Well, this is a the thing they agreed. In order for this, the thing to go ahead, for them to get money, for them to get paid, you know, they agreed to put themselves on a higher standard of, you know, COVID bubble than the rest of uh, society, basically. Um, and that's th- those are the rules that they agreed to. And they're getting mm. very well, re- you know, compensated for it financially. So... Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, you know, a wake-up call is not really, it's not really the right term. They really need a slap across the head. <laughs> this is what this is. Uh, <laughs> and and it's, a, it's a forceful one as well. It is a real correction to the attitude that is required for everyone to realise that, you know, it may seem innocuous to go and attend a, a barbershop opening, and there's nothing legally wrong with it, but they agreed. It's the code that they broke amongst mm. the rest of their brothers, bros. Yeah. In in the in the entire code in the entire competition, if something happens, how would you feel if you're the player that completely ruins someone's financial situation for the year, and uh, as in like another, you know, colleague player or competitor, um, you know, people's livelihoods are at stake. You've got lower paid players who maybe need the money this year. You know, someone like a Cam Smith can do without a year's salary because he's probably got so much saved up and he's fairly well off, but others might not Mm. be. You know, the difference between someone with a a young family struggling to pay for, you know, whatever and, um, uh, you know, having that money, not having that money is – really down to some of these key decisions. So, look, the end of my rant is that basically I, I agree that, that we are right to point our finger at these people and say yeah. you've done wrong and you should be dealt with harshly And uh, because the consequences are a lot more severe than a $20,000 fine to Wayne Bennett. Let me tell you, we're talking millions 
uh, down the drain if something happens and it's too much to risk. So, uh, yeah, my that's my final thought on that. What about you, Tish? Well, look, I think I, I totally agree. And, look, I think um, I think you've got to put it into perspective. Uh, the restrictions that have been placed on NRL players uh, to get paid handsomely well, and you compare that to people who've lost their jobs on job seeker, job keeper, job maker, all these different, um, you know, all these different uh, schemes that are out there. Um, they're not. It's very hard to live on those type of conditions, and you compare that to the conditions that the NRL players have to uh, you know, adhere to at the moment. And I think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a question to say that. Yeah, these players should probably realize uh how blessed they are to be able to play a sport that they love um you know like you do need to train i, I get that you don't get to uh, see your family and everything like this but your your sport is to play your profession profession i should say is to play a game um and you know and provide much needed entertainment to and, and quite honestly uh, to, to people who probably are you know spending time uh, watching the game when they've probably got other things that are very more permanent to them. So I think they really need to respect the fan here a little bit. And look, I think particularly Wayne Bennett, look, Wayne Bennett is in the uh, age bracket. Uh, I know we shouldn't be ageist here, but he is in the age bracket that is, uh, you know, most at risk with this situation as well. And, um, you know, a lot of the rules that they're actually adhering to is to protect people that are in Wayne Bennett's situation. So um, the fact that he's breaking the rules, I think it really is quite uh, – yeah, I don't think it's quite the right thing at all. And I, and I do think that, yeah, we need to do this. I think it also highlights another problem the NRL um, will have to face is that at the moment they have 16 teams and they have 12, you know, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. So they've got four teams there that – probably cannot make the finals this year. The Dragons, the Titans, the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the Bulldogs. And then over the next few weeks, more and more teams are going to be, you know, their finals chances are going to go a little bit. Um, so those players playing in those uh, teams, I think the NRL really needs to think about how we could manage them so that they we don't have more cases with some of these teams. Because apart from the Newcastle players, every other one of these players are actually paying for these teams that, you know, have a very small chance of making it to the finals. And I think as your season is sort of, uh, you know, there's no hope left in your season, you know, let's not have this uh, attitude of taking the uh, restrictions lightly. Because I think at the end of the year, yeah, so I, th- I think it's going to be more and more of a problem. And hopefully the NRL, by coming down harshly on these players, can kind of stop it before the situation gets even more worse. All right. Here we are now at tackle number three. And the people in New Zealand, once were Warriors, and now the Warriors, once were also Rams, but they are looking to the future and they have decided on a new coach and a new advisor, someone who we all know here in Australia, who will consult in advisory capacity to support the future of the Warriors Tish, can you reveal the name of the new Warriors coach and who will be the advisor extraordinaire? Oh, yes. The king of advice, Mr. No, no, no. Mr. <laughs> what are you doing, Rabs? Mr. I'll take Laurie Daly's seat. 
Mr. I love Anthony Griffin, and there's nothing to see here. <laughs> Mr. 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 The Eels have no chance ever. The Eels, <laughs> the Eels have no chance. That's right. Philip Gould, Mr. Five uh, also- Panthers plan. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Sorry. Mr. Peter Valanis wants me to do every job in the NRL. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the Supremo himself, Phil Gould, Philip Gould. He is uh, he has been officially made uh, advisor of everything. Basically, he's taken the Gandalf role at the Warriors. Uh, basically, just the Mister Fix It man for everything, uh, involved in everything, and he has been named. Uh, basically, yeah, the consultants of consultants. And, um, yeah, and they've also announced a new coach, and it's, um, you know, it is Nathan Brown. Now, we're not talking about the Parramatta player, Nathan <laughs> Brown. We are talking about the original Nathan Brown. The um, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, look, um, you know, the news in New Zealand has uh, – has, uh, has, uh, has, has, you know, it's gone like a, a lightning bullet. Um, you know, OMC have said, how bizarre, how bizarre. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a, an old <laughs> reference. Yeah. Well, the, what else are we? Yeah. It's, some may say, look, Dave Dobbin has come out of his slice of heaven <laughs> and uh, decided to, you know, peak his, yeah, anyway. Uh, look. Yes. Well done. Look, congratulations, first of all, to Nathan Brown. Because I think he's been a bit hard done by in recent yeah. years. I think he's, of all the coaches that have been on the market looking for a uh, a return to the NRL, I think Nathan Brown is probably one of the, the names that, uh, you know, he's probably got the most uh, credibility and most likelihood that he will steer the ship in the right direction. Having said that, he hasn't really had the success that would fill you with a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, mm. runs on the board aren't really there. Uh, having yeah. said that, they have signed him for three years. <clears throat> and as you said, the Warriors have also signed Phil Gould. Uh, not to be, uh, you know, Nathan Brown won't be reporting to Phil Gould, but he'll be there in an advisory capacity. So it's not going to be a uh, like a head of football kind of thing, but, but as close as you can get without actually interfering with the coaching. Uh, which is going to be new for Gus Gould. He won't know what to do with himself. But anyway, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, look, positive, negative? Okay, look, what I think, it, I think this is actually really, really clever from the Warriors. The reason why is because I think one of the criticisms the Warriors have had is that their inability to tap into the natural resources of uh, New Zealand. And I'm not talking about mining. I'm talking about their, you know, their junior development. And, I think one thing that Phil Gould's legacy at the Panthers is, is, I mean, if you actually look for the Panthers lineup and you look at that that previous club, there's none for most of those players because their previous club was the Panthers. They've all grown up as Panthers juniors winning competitions left, right and centre. And now here they are playing in the NRL, playing for the Panthers. And I think if Phil Gould could help with the junior development in New Zealand to help it become a pathway to become a New Zealand warrior... I think that is a really good long-term thing that he could do there. And I think he's kind of the right man for it because I do believe that that is his skill. Um, you know, I've heard lots of interviews with him and, and I think the other guy that's really good at this is Tim Sheens. And they talk about different things like, um, 
you know, I think Laurie Daly, I heard Laurie Daly say once this about Tim Sheens, uh, about how he, uh, you know, why Tim Sheens got Benji to start, you know, at fullback and he had to start in the centres, um, you know, understudying Craig Bellamy, even though they're both 5'8". And Tim Sheens gave him, I can't remember the answer, but he gave him a really good answer. But, but Phil Gould is kind of all that same sort of mindset, right? He kind of understands how you need to nurture players on uh, so that they're ready for the NRL. And I think that's a really good thing. And the other point, I actually think Nathan Brown, I give him credit because I think he's done a very similar thing, but more on a short-term basis with Newcastle. I think if you actually look at the progression Newcastle have had over the last five or six years, when Nathan Brown's been charged, every year they've just gotten better and better and they've learned how to play. And and what Nathan Brown is really good is he's good at sort of taking a team that plays 80% uh, well one week and then 20% well the next week He's good at sort of getting a consistent performance out of his teams uh, to the point where they're paying, playing, but they may not be playing 100% every week, but they are certainly like a 50 to 70 and always staying competitive. And he really did a really good job that at Newcastle. Now, probably the, the main thing that probably he needs to work on is once his team gets a little successful, um, that's where I think he kind of has a bit of a, an issue, a bit of a hurdle, like just the way he manages his players uh, as as the team sort of improve. And to be honest, I think I feel like Ricky Stewart had that kind of problem. Like maybe he's just like too intense or something like that. But that is something that they can work on. So I think Nathan Brown is actually a really good selection because if you think about the Warriors, the main problem has been two things: inconsistency, which I think Nathan Brown will fix, and I think junior development, which I think Phil Gould will fix. Um, so then they'll need to. F- probably get Trent Robinson and Craig Bellamy down there to win a premiership <laughs> uh, and then they're done, right? So I, I think that's, I think basically that's their master plan. What do you think there, Dr. T? Oh, I think it's as good a plan. In fact, it's so good that it sounds like Phil Gould wrote it for you. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, look, I, I agree with you. You're spot on. I think uh, each has their strengths and has their role to play. And look, if they're expecting a quick fix and uh, a, a premiership to be delivered by Nathan Brown within three years, that's probably not going to happen. But mm. what they need is a plan and and a goal and to work towards it. And and I think what they've been lacking is you know a, a team that can actually get them towards a clear goal and that has uh, you know the skills that's required. You know, someone like a feel good look. As much as we joke about Phil Gould and people have been, uh, you know, no doubt online, you'll see a lot of the reference to that uh, five-year master plan. Ha ha! Look where the Panthers are now. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's actually working for them now. Did he make it within the five years? Maybe not, but look, at the end of the day, it's corrected them and it's set a path for them and. It's 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 uh, reaping the benefits right now, and so this is really what what they what the Warriors need to do is to really think about this in in a long term way. Set your goals, work towards them. You know, maybe it is the case that you do need to change coaches once in a while to get you there, and maybe some coaches are better to you know plant the seed and and tend to the uh, the tree initially. And then once it starts growing, get someone who knows how to bring that team to the next level. Um, you know, there are only so many coaches in sporting, uh, in professional sports that are able to handle, you know, uh, 
all sorts of situations, you know, growing a team from scratch or dealing with a bunch of superstars. Wayne Bennett was able to deal with a bunch of superstars at Brisbane and and get them all performing. Others aren't able to do that, you know. And so this is the thing. You're right. I think that 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 complement of skills uh, will hopefully get them on the right track. And I think Nathan Brown is a good uh, again, he what he did with the the knights as well. Like he set the groundwork, and that's what he's able to do. So um, I look forward to seeing where they go. But look, let's move on to the next tackle. So tackle number four: the return of the Super League in the UK. Uh, the Super League made its uh, anticipate eagerly anticipated comeback on August the second with a double header and make up uh, and. Uh, yeah, and so there have been new rule changes as well. Scrums have been abolished. Uh, yep. What else has been? Uh, in order to reduce the risk of players contracting COVID-19 and also the six-again rule as the uh, NRL introduced has also been introduced there. So um, massive changes. Uh, other changes are that uh, rule changes are that when there's a uh, play the ball restart when a team kicks off, or kicks out on the full rather than a scrum, obviously because scrums are abolished. So there's a lot of changes that are based on the fact that scrums are abolished. Um, and there's also restrictions on the legal point of contact for a third defender in an upright tackle, which must now be above the knee. So you can't get players sort of launching on, under the knee, which is kind of good. I mean, we kind of did that in the yeah. NRL a while ago, especially with the, uh, what do we used to call it, the cannonball. Okay. <laughs> the cannonball tackle, you know, we come up with all these. What do we have here? The crusher. The really chi- awesome name for the illegal crusher, The play. chicken wing. The uh, we got all sorts of funny names, but yeah. the cannonball I remember definitely was a, you know, a safety thing. You know, we don't want mm. players uh, being, uh, you know, potential for ankles rolling and all that kind of stuff, knees breaking. So this is probably a good thing. But look. Let's uh, back it up a bit. What do you think of the return of of the Super League in the UK? Uh, of course, famously, without Toronto. Yeah, well, look, it's great uh, to have the Super League back. But great to have two competitions on either side of the world. Um, and it's great to see Super League going out there on a limb with some of these new rule changes as well. Um, I think they're going to have a similar sort of situation to what the NRL has had. Like, obviously, a few weeks where... Players and teams are going to get used to it, a few blowout scores. But then overall, the game is just going to get more exciting because it's just going to get faster and faster and faster. And I think we've sort of seen that. So, yeah. So, look, they started off with two uh, makeup games. Basically, you know, because of Toronto pulling out, uh, they needed to do a double header to make sure that um, some teams caught up uh, to so that everybody could be on six or seven games played, I think it was. And St. Helens had uh, beaten Catalans 34 to 6. And then Huddersfield had beaten the lead, oh, sorry, lead runners one by one point against Huddersfield. So a one point thriller to sort of start the season again, which I think is pretty awesome. And then, um, yeah, and then they just had a full round over the weekend. And, uh, you know, we saw some great wins as well. So look, um, I haven't caught all the games, I haven't seen all the highlights, but. From what I have seen, I think some of the tries have been pretty outstanding as well. Um, and, you know, so, and I think as players are getting used to the rules, you know, the six again, speeding the the play of the ball up, bringing more fatigue into the sport, I think that really helps make the game more exciting. And, um, 
know, at the moment they're not having crowds, so I haven't seen them doing the cut cutouts yet. So we'll see if they introduce those as well. But it would be, um, you know, I think they're going to have a similar experience to what the NRL has had, which is obviously it starts off with a little, you know, getting used to, but then once the competition gets rolling again, um, you know, it's going to be an enjoyable competition as well. All right, so uh, let's move on to the fifth tackle, and we got Sunny Bill Williams. Sunny Bill Williams news. What's happening with Sunny Bill Tish? Oh well, look, last night on a hundred percent footy, um, you know, the show with Paul Gallen and Phil Gould and uh, and alike. Phil Gould has uh, sorry, Paul Gallen, as we know, after he's retired or even during his NRL career. He uh, began a uh, he began a, uh, a career as a professional boxer, and you know he's been calling out Sonny Bill Williams for weeks now, saying you know Sonny Bill Williams is too scared to fight him and uh, all this sort of stuff. And Sonny Bill now is back into the um, you know into the uh, NRL, and SPW joined the panel at 100, percent and he agreed to fight Paul Gallen in the boxing ring, and it would come in, within the next six months. So Gallon has been chasing this fight uh, for for years now, apparently, and um, you know, and this uh, seems to eventually take place. Now, interestingly enough, um, apparently SBW has already got his next fight lined up. He's actually going to be taking on former Sydney Swan Barry Hall, and after that match, he's then going to take on uh, Paul Gallon. So Paul Gallon versus SBW Doctor T. Who do you think is going to take that boxing get, uh, boxing match out? Well, um, you know, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, look, look, potentially Paul Gallen. Uh, mm. You know, it's too hard to, you know, oh, look, neither of them are match fit for this kind of match, are they? I mean, look, you know, <laughs> what, what's Paul Gallen been doing? He's been on TV. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's been verbally trading punches with Paul Kent and uh, Phil Gould, but you know, like, I oh, look insane. Now I'm sure he's had plenty of time uh, mm. to to actually, uh, you know, train up and and be match fit and for this uh, grudge match. But look, you know, look. Part of me thinks I think Gallon will win, but part of me also thinks, uh, you know. Who cares? <laughs> like that's a, that's the uh, that's the other thing. I mean, what what are we doing? I have to say, look, Tish, maybe I maybe I'm a bit old school, but why can't we just let the footy do the talking instead of, uh, you know, bothering with things like this? I mean, this is uh, as a distraction. It's up there with that silly kangaroos versus All Blacks hybrid, you know, abomination of a match that they want to keep talking about. It's just a total distraction from what people really care about. Uh, you know, even if it is done for charity, to me, it's just a total waste of time. And it's, it could actually undermine, you know, an existing NRL player and, yep. he, and he could get injured. I mean, what's the point of all this? So, Yeah, I, that's, that's a very good point. I disagree with all of this because I think they need, just need to focus on keeping Sonny Bill as fit as possible. Uh, he is still playing the game. He is important to the game. And he's only here on loan because uh, Toronto freed him up because they're not in the Super League at the moment. So, 
that's not going to be the case forever. So what's the point of potentially injuring him for the near future anyway, if that's the case? Having said that, I don't know. He may even win uh, if, he, if they do this. So, But look, I'm still concerned about why even bother doing that. So Tish, maybe I'm a bit of an old fuddy-duddy, but I think at some point you've got to put your foot down and say, no, let's just focus on the game, guys, and, well, and forget all this other stuff. Yeah, well, look, we haven't seen uh, SBW play yet, so that is going to show how fit and how athletic he still is. And um, he did also hint on the show last night that, uh, all on 100% footy, that he will, um, he may play in 2021 and he would like to give back to the Bulldogs in some capacity, which is interesting uh, based on how he left. But... Um, <laughs> So if he's going to do is that, he gonna I, give, I, is he going to give back his money? Is that what he's giving back? I don't, I have not, <laughs> I, I I'm don't sure know. some Bulldogs fans will want some of the money back, but anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so look, that could be a very interesting uh, sort of situation. So, look, if he does have plans to play, uh, obviously, the end of this season and next season, then I think this fight is not at the right time because I think that um, you are right. What if he gets knocked out? How silly... Does SBW look and does the NRO look by having a, uh, you know, having a professional, uh, prof- professional player being knocked out by a player who's retired for over well, it'll be over a year since you know this fight will happen after a year of Gallon's retirement. And you've got to remember uh, Paul Gallon; he's not exactly Muhammad Ali when it comes to boxing. He is also a fairly uh, a fairly young in the sport. If um, you know, sort of not. Not that many matches into it is definitely a celebrity, uh, celebrity style uh, cash grab for for charity. But um, you know, whatever happened to like uh, telemarketing, uh, you know, for for charity, like you know those uh, telethons that they used to do. That's like, right. Yeah, there's other ways that we can uh, raise money if we need to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like forty hour famine for people in famine. You know. Like uh, when you're beating somebody, what, what is that? Like beating people up for beating people up? It doesn't make sense. So, um, but yeah, well, but look, let's see how that goes. And uh, I think we're all anticipating SBW's return to the uh, NRL. I don't know how good he'll be. And to be honest, I think by the time he's uh, COVID, COVID clear, the season's probably already finished. Right? He might he might be a bit late to the party. Oh, I think it, yeah, no. I, I think it'll be, <laughs> it'll feel like that, but no. Look, I think uh, the other thing about the the other point about the charity is, uh, look at this point the way the way some of these stories have been uh, going around and and what we just spoke about earlier about the COVID breaker, breakers. Mm. Um, you know, at this point, I think people would probably be willing to pay money to charity to have uh, NRL players actually stay in quarantine for forty days, let alone wow. forty hour famine. How about forty day quarantine? You know, I like it. I, I like, like it. Well, but, you know, <laughs> at this point, if they can't follow simple rules that they themselves sign up to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and again, this is why these sort of uh, boxing matches and things uh, is, is to me, is just silly. And there's no point. Uh, it's just adding to a drama that doesn't need to be there. And uh, unfortunately, Paul Gallon needs to move on from that and get on with his TV career and, and do whatever he needs to do. But he needs to... Yeah, I, I don't know if it's worth the effort and, and the hassle to, to do this. But uh, anyway, let's move on. So final tackle, tackle number six. Here we go. 
All right, so round – are we up to round 13 or 14? I keep forgetting. We're, I'm, I'm, we're up to round 14. Sorry. We're up to round 14. And so what we're going to do is go through the matches very quickly. And uh, oh, I should say – so oh, I did pretty good last week. I got seven out of eight, and you got five out of eight. That brings me to 56.5, and it brings you to 51.5. I think this is all post-COVID. So uh, yes. we're pretty terrible, but we're, we're not that bad. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, look, a v- virtually a uh, you know a key clash, top of the table almost clash. Roosters mm. versus Storm, uh, an interesting one. Uh, rematch of a couple of years ago, grand final. What do you think? I'm... I'm not I'm sure, but I'm storm. tipping the Roosters. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm tipping the Storm. Um, they did win by a narrow victory, narrow, oh, well, it was like a golden point game a few weeks earlier. And I think they know how to beat the Roosters. So I think uh, I think their form has been better. So I'm going to tip the Storm on that one. All right, Warriors versus Panthers. Uh, Panthers for mine. Yeah, Panthers for mine as well. Eels versus Dragons. Eels for mine, obviously. Yeah, I think Eels as well. Just realised Dragons, yeah. <laughs> Look, this is an interesting one. Uh, and you've been pretty good at picking some uh, upsets this year. So I'm just wondering if this is going to be a candidate for you. Sharks versus Titans. Uh, I'm tipping the Sharks, but very wary that there could be an upset. Yeah, look, it's a very interesting one. I think this game is on the Saturday. You know what? I, I'm prepared to go for the Titans on this one. I think the, I think the Sharks are a bit up and down, and they were they played pretty well last week. All right, uh, Cowboys, Rabbitohs, uh, Rabbitohs easily for mine. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna tip the Rabbitohs too. <laughs> oh, almost, almost convince you there. Um, Raiders versus Broncos now. There was a day in in a long, long time ago, for all of you guys out there who are young listeners, uh, there was a time in the 90s when Canberra versus Brisbane was considered the ultimate, uh, you know, the ultimate match, the ultimate showdown, because you had the Green Machine and then the Mighty Broncos. Uh, that was back in the day. It's not to be anymore. That was a good almost 30 years ago in the 90, early 90s. But Tish, how times have changed. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this time around, the Broncos, I think, have no chance against the Raiders. Raiders for mine. Yeah, look, I'm tipping the Raiders as well. Yeah, this is the clash of the 90s. This is a 90210 of Rugby League. And, um, yeah, I think the Raiders are going to take this one out. Knights and Seagulls in a, an actual kind of local derby. Uh, Knights for mine. Yeah, well, I am going to tip the Sea Eagles. Bit of an upset, but I think this is a must-win game for them. And uh, do you remember that famous Newcastle Manly Grand Final '97? Right, the thing at the end, talking about the '90s. Who could forget? Uh, you know, if you're a Manly fan, you wish that that game was 79 minutes and and 50 seconds, because that last 10 seconds is where. Joey Johns, um, you know, tore a hole up the side and uh, Darren Albert, obviously, with a great inside ball from Johns uh, under the black dot with, uh, you know, untouched under the black dot. Totally, uh, you know, it was it was that the only that was the only ARL 
yeah. our, our all competition, the 1997 one. Uh, yeah, great memories there. And, and they've always really had a really good uh, rivalry, the Knights and the Seagulls, uh, you know, uh, they are virtually neighbours, obviously with a bit of a central coast in between them um, of New South Wales. But look, uh, it's going to be a good one. But yeah, let's see if we get an equally uh, you know dramatic game uh, as we did in that '97 Grand Final. And look, speaking of Grand Finals, uh, '88 Grand Final, Tigers versus Bulldogs, and the rematch is finally here. <laughs> The Tigers and the Bulldogs. Look, I think the Tigers, despite being flogged last week, are going to bounce back. So Tigers for mine. Yeah, look, Tigers for mine for me as well. Look, I think this game is very important to them. Obviously, this is this is the last uh, hope. Like, literally, it kind of is for them. They need to win this game. And, <coughs> uh, you know, it's a much, uh, definitely a high-pressure game. But you know what? The Bulldogs have had a bit of a good run against uh, uh, the Tigers of late. So, um it's you know an upset is not out of the question, so it, it would be interesting. So, but look, I'm tipping the Tigers. Um, and uh, good to see Jacob Little coming back after you know an injury that's almost uh, he's almost been out for more than a year, and he's back at number nine for the Tigers. So very interesting to see how he will go. Absolutely, and look, the Tigers. Uh, keep in mind that yeah, they, you're right. They do need to win this one, and the Warriors are equal with them on ten points as well. So. You know, they're four out of the top eight. That's only two wins. Uh, but, you know, if they lose this one, it just makes it harder and a harder mountain to climb for both of those teams. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck to the Tigers. Good luck to everyone. And, Tish, that wraps up this episode of the podcast. It's been epic as always. Thank you so much for uh, for your time. And, everyone, thank you very much for listening to us ramble on about this game that we love, but, uh, you know, we do love it. And, uh, it's great to, it's great to sit down and talk about these things. And, uh, yeah, don't forget, you can uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and our website at rlrepublic.com where you can, uh, download all of our podcast episodes and Tish over to you to wrap this up. Well, Dr. T, thank you for another great episode of the rugby league Republic. I'd like to thank everybody for listening but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the rugby league republic we're your hosts tish and dr t join us next time on the rugby league republic bye for now